Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're talking with Angela Forfia, the Senior Manager of Prevention at ADCES. The COVID-19 pandemic is changing how diabetes prevention programs operate and might leave you questioning how you can continue seeing clients. Angela will walk us through the latest CDC guidance for programs and what options you and your clients have available. Angela, welcome to the huddle. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we are really happy to have you, especially since we're talking about telehealth and the 1135 waiver. And this is our fourth podcast in a series. Before this, we've talked about passing the bills, the CMS regulations, and those have really been mostly around implementing DSMT in a telehealth environment. And with you, just because of your experience and background um, and the wealth of information I know you're going to bring to us, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about prevention and prevention strategies and what the 1135 waiver is bringing to the prevention world, which is really where you live. And you have done incredible things as a senior manager of prevention for our members at ADCES. So I'm hoping before we even jump into our conversation about the waiver and the impacts on prevention, um, maybe you can introduce yourself and you know what drives you, your passions, and how you ended up here. Sure, absolutely. Um, so my name is Angela Forfia. I am the Senior Manager of Prevention for ADCES. And I've spent, you know, the last 20 years of my life working in public health. And a lot of that work has been in chronic disease prevention and in behavior change and lifestyle change programs. So that's the work that I'm doing for the association where I am supporting a five-year cooperative agreement that we have with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. As you can imagine, they have a lot on their plates these days, but um, one of the things that they're doing is providing funding for organizations like ADCES to promote the diabetes prevention program with a special focus on populations that are at greatest risk of developing type 2 diabetes, but have been under-enrolling in the Lifestyle Change Program. So we're in the third year of that cooperative agreement, so that takes up a good amount of my time. And then we really use what we're learning from that cooperative agreement. You know, we're working with 22 sites now across 11 states. So we learn what works in different areas, in rural areas and urban areas, working with different populations. And we use that to support all of our members and to provide technology and technical assistance and training that helps them kind of shorten that learning curve and really activate 
what we're learning within our cooperative agreement in their local communities. So I am super happy to be here and kind of share some of what our sites are learning and doing as they respond to this public health emergency that we're all going through right now. Yeah, an emergency and a crazy time to be here. So I want to back up for a second. 20 years in public health, managing 22 sites gives you an incredible perspective. Let me jump into some of these questions, just thinking about that and thinking about your background and perspective. So what are the CDC and CMS doing to support the programs during this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm very pleased to say that both the CDC and CMS have really stepped up um, and have provided programs with a tremendous amount of flexibility to navigate this time. You know, we're responding to this acute situation with a communicable disease, but we also recognize that type 2 diabetes is still present, prediabetes is still present, and both CDC and CMS have really said to sites, we are here to support you. We want you to keep these preventive programs going. We know that you're going to have to do them in different ways than would have been doing them a month ago or two months ago, but we are here to kind of give you the ability to think creatively, to innovate, and to move forward with your program participants during this time so that we can keep working on these preventive health issues that are still important and continue to be important during this time. So flexibility is not a word that I have heard on the last three podcasts when we've talked about DSMES and DSMT in telehealth. How is that different in prevention and how is CMS allowing the prevention programs to be more flexible? As you know, um, so many diabetes prevention programs, there's close to 2,000 diabetes prevention program providers across the United States. There are many more sites where those programs are being delivered. But for the Medicare diabetes prevention programs, we're talking about a smaller number of suppliers. And 100% of those suppliers were delivering in-person programs. So, you know, if you were billing CMS for services for these Medicare DPP services, what you were doing is you were bringing groups of seniors together in your hospital, in your health center, in your senior center. Well, now that we are all in a world where seniors are especially vulnerable to COVID-19, CMS recognizes that, you know, we can't continue in that way. And there's always been a little bit of flexibility with Medicare DPP of like, hey, you know, you can do a limited number of makeup sessions that are done through telehealth or online. Now they've said, you know what, you can do as many virtual makeup sessions as you need. If you need to call people on the phone, if you need to have a conference call, if you want to use FaceTime, we are going to grant you a tremendous amount of flexibility to do this program however you need to do it during this critical time to keep those participants engaged. And the other thing that is really exciting for us is, you know, Medicare DPP was a once in a lifetime benefit. So once someone started the Medicare DPP program, 
they had a year to finish the core and core maintenance sessions. And then if they were doing well, they could potentially go on to another 12 months. Well, that's going to be really difficult right now. So CMS has removed that requirement that it's a once in a lifetime benefit. So if people do have to pause the program, they are able to resume it at some future time and they haven't lost this benefit, which, you know, this this is something we've been advocating for in general. But the fact that this is now available to sites is a very good thing. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, And again, a flexibility that we're not seeing other places. Can I ask, I know it's only about three or four weeks into this. Mm -hmm. Um, You have 22 sites. I know you have colleagues across the nation that are also working with sites. What are you seeing? Are you seeing programs wanting to move forward or are you seeing programs really thinking about pausing? We're seeing a wide variety of responses to this. Um, you know, as you can imagine, and you know, I'm sure some people listening to this right now, they are frontline healthcare providers and they may find their time being pulled to kind of urgent frontline response for COVID-19. We have some of our lifestyle coaches who are RNs who are now, you know, have responsibility for being there for drive-through testing sites. So if you're doing that, it is going to be very difficult for you to keep your diabetes prevention program moving forward. You know, your time is being allocated to this emergency response. And we absolutely understand that. So for some of our sites, you know, especially our sites that are in like Seattle and New Jersey and in some of the other communities that are being most impacted by COVID-19 right now, they're pausing their programming. They want to keep these programs moving forward. They hope to resume them in the future, but they're not actively doing the program right now. That's probably 25 to 30% of our programs. But the other, you know, 70, 75% of our programs, they are really thinking about ways to continue to engage participants in their programs. And some of those are very low tech ways where they're just having phone call makeup sessions, or they're doing conference calls. Others are able to tap into um, video conferencing resources to really kind of mimic that experience of being in the same room, being around the same round table, brainstorming ideas, you know, sharing ideas across the group. So that's been really wonderful to see some of our sites, you know, really recognizing that they as lifestyle coaches have built relationships with their participants, their participants have built relationships with each other. And kind of now more than ever, they need the support and the motivation and the encouragement to continue to make these healthy changes in their lives. And, you know, the program can really be a lifeline for seniors in some of these communities that may be very isolated within their homes and they're still able to connect with their group. Well, you kind of answered one of my questions already as I was listening that was, how do we get these programs going? One thing I'd like to add on to that, because you gave incredible examples and discussion there, how difficult is it in your experience? I mean, this is like turning on a on a dime, right? Yeah. How difficult is it to like go from a in-person program to suddenly doing it completely online or virtual? Yeah, well, 
I'm not going to say that it's easy. You know, I think we've experienced the same thing with our school systems, moving from in-person delivery where, you know, all of the kids show up, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and, and you have them there to a system where, you know, fourth graders are joining Zoom meetings. You know, that's a very different modality of delivery. And you really have to work with your participants and kind of invite them along for this experience. You know, we have groups of seniors that have very quickly moved to, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm in my late 70s. I had been going down to this group at the senior center, but I am just as happy to join a Zoom meeting. I FaceTime with my grandkids all the time, and I am very comfortable with this technology. And we've had, you know, groups that do have challenges that, you know, they might not have high-speed internet, they might not have the technology that they need within their homes, or maybe that technology is being used by their grandkids, or it's being used by their partners within the home to work from home. So really kind of checking in with your group, getting a sense for, you know, their level of comfort with this technology, and trying it out. Like, I mean, that's part of the really positive thing about the flexibility that both CDC and CMS are giving to sites is, you know, you could try it out for four weeks, six weeks. If it is really challenging, if you find yourself being the only person in that Zoom meeting and you weren't able to bring people along for the ride, you know, you can then pause your program and you have lost nothing. You've been able to try out this new technology. Maybe it would work with another group. But you might find that, you know, your group really appreciates that. And then you can keep your program going and really provide that continued support to your program participants. You know, it really is such a an opportunity to learn. You know, we're all being forced into it and we have to learn, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have to change quickly. I always bring up my family and these, um, not always, but sometimes I bring up my family. So people are getting to know my my children and my parents well. But my parents are in their 80s and they are part of that group where mm-hmm. I didn't think that they could pick up on Zoom and FaceTime and things like that. And, you know, pretty much within like 10 minutes, I had them set up on everything. So I think maybe in these times of crisis, our eyes are mm-hmm. opened a little bit. You said something earlier, Angela, that really... Uh, scares me a little bit. I'm going to back up a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to scare you, Kirsten. <laughs> um, the, the 25 to 35% of the people in these prevention programs that, um, you know, we understand there's an acute crisis. So the healthcare providers are being pulled in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But the 25 to 35% in these lifestyle programs that are going to be pausing, this seems like not such a great thing for this population to be pausing right now. Yeah. And um, I agree. I mean, sometimes having a pause, like a program pause is unavoidable. And I think that that's why CDC has really, you know, given sites the ability to do this. Like, I will say that most of the sites that are pausing are sites that, you know, we're planning to kick off a program in mid-March. <laughs> or early April. And that seemed like a really great idea about six months ago, because this actually is a really positive time for people to, you know, start getting back outside and start, you know, engaging with lifestyle change programs. But because of this pandemic, 
it became a very difficult time to kick off a program and to offer a session zero for folks to figure out if it was the right time for them to do a program. So we're very supportive of sites that, you know, just need a little bit of a breather right now. I will say that most of the sites that are trying to move things forward are sites where they already have engaged participants, you know, maybe they're three weeks into the program, six weeks into the program, 12 weeks into the program. And I absolutely agree with you that you do not want to abandon your participants during this time. In some ways, you know, as we're dealing with this communicable disease, this is also kind of a perfect storm for pre-diabetes if you were at risk of developing type 2 diabetes in the next one to three years, having a period of time where you were not able to keep up your healthy eating routines, you were not able to keep up your physical activity routines, you're experiencing interrupted sleep, you're experiencing stress, you're maybe severed from some of the routines that contributed to healthy coping. You know, we do not want to pause six months and then nine months and 12 months and then have a tremendous wave of individuals that now have type 2 diabetes. We want to do everything we can to prevent or delay that, just exactly as we're talking about with COVID-19 and bending the curve. You know, we want to bend the curve with type 2 diabetes as well. And so we can't just, you know, wait, um, just like we tell our participants, we can't wait for a perfect time to engage in a lifestyle change program. There is never going to be a perfect time for organizations to do this work. And there's a value to organizations, you know, navigating this time and finding creative and flexible ways to make this happen because the health of the community comes first. And, you know, whether that's a communicable disease or a chronic disease, we have to be thinking of both of them Um, at the same time. You know, that's part of the challenge of public health is we can't just all focus on one thing and and let everything else fall to the side. And I hope that we can learn from this acute crisis that we're dealing with with COVID-19, because many people in the prevention world and the public health world have been sounding the alarms on prevention and type 2 diabetes and where we're going, you know, with Mm -hmm. 80 plus million people in the United States with prediabetes. We all know these stats that 90% don't know it. And Mm -hmm. We're going to be looking at the storm in three to five years. This acute storm we're dealing with right now with COVID-19 is the storm we're going to be looking at with type 2 diabetes, and it will blow up our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Angela, this has been absolutely wonderful. It sounds like you have something else to say, which is perfect timing, because I always end and say, I'm going to throw this back at you and say, leave us with your final thoughts. Any words of wisdom for our listeners? Oh, words of wisdom. That, that's a lot of pressure. Um, but I will say this. You do not have to do the perfect diabetes prevention program, the perfect lifestyle change program right now in order to really benefit participants. You might not see the most physical activity minutes you have ever had or the greatest amount of engagement or the greatest percent of weight loss from starting weight. But there is a value for participants to come together, to support each other, to support 
you know, healthy eating, to support physical activity that they can do within their homes, to support um, those healthy coping strategies. And, you know, it's sometimes what we think about, you know, when we're looking at the holidays of like, there's a value to maintaining healthy behaviors during challenging times. And maintaining some of these healthy behaviors will be a success, will be a benefit to you, to your program, to your program participants. So it's okay if it's not perfect. Be compassionate to the people in your group. Be compassionate to yourself, to your lifestyle coaches, and recognize that we're all going to be doing our best during this time, and that will be kind of good enough. Well, I love those words, the support and compassion, those words I was hearing you say. And it just reminds me, if we can all do that a little bit and Mm -hmm. pay it forward with support and compassion to the people around us, maybe we can all do our part to, Mm -hmm. to deter this. Angela, this was so nice having you here today, and I hope you'll come back again. Oh, I would love to. And um, I would love to share some stories of, you know, after six months, as we're kind of looking back on, you know, what programs have done, it will be great to share some of those stories as well. Well, Fantastic. Then you know you're coming back. You're already signed up. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Angela. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kristen. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. Today, we heard from Angela Forfia, Senior Manager of Prevention at ADCES, and discussed the options available to your National Diabetes Prevention Program during the COVID-19 pandemic. We learned that the CDC is providing flexibility in how programs can proceed, and that creativity and a willingness to try new things are key. At the end of the day, It's your choice what to do, what is best for your participants. For more information on COVID-19 and additional guidance for your diabetes prevention program, visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash COVID hyphen 19. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.